I thank you that you have our lives in your hands, Lord. Thank you that you paid it all. Thank you that all focus should be on you, Jesus, because you are our Lord. You are our Lord and Savior. And Lord, as we talk about your word now, Lord, and what you have to say to us, Jesus, I pray that you help me to get completely out of the way. I pray, Lord, that you fill this room with your presence and that you speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. My name is Leona. I am one of the elders here at Hills Baptist and the pastor care worker here for the Vedang campus. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am married to Josh. Together we have three beautiful children running around, being usually a bit crazy in the morning here. Um, yeah, and Dave came to me in the beginning of December and asked me if I could imagine to share my testimony slash preach on God's faithfulness in my life throughout the last year. So here I am. Um, I love to do this. But having said this, the last year has been quite a bit of a ride for me. It hasn't been a very easy year. But as I was reflecting on my last year and what God had been doing, um, I noticed that I should start way earlier because I actually could see how God worked through my life to come to this place where I am now. So I decided to share my testimony with you today, and out of this thing comes my thoughts on it, um, yeah, which I guess we'll follow in the second part. So I've grown up in a Christian family in Germany, in a tiny, tiny village, and I've been going to church my whole life. Um, yeah, I've never doubted the existence of God, and I must have been I don't know, seven or eight, when I gathered all the kids from my street together to prepare a Sunday school class in our garage with all the crafts and everything and so on. Um, I always loved Jesus. I met a missionary from Brazil. This was probably around that same time too. And after I met Mechtelt, all I ever wanted to be in my life was a missionary. I just adored her. And um, yeah, so I always sensed a certain calling, if you can name it like this, on my life. Um, yeah, so when I was 15, I, my grandpa, who is a pastor, he baptized me. And as a family, we, we all, it was quite special, actually. We all went to Israel, and we followed the footsteps of Jesus. And um, I had the privilege that my grandpa baptized me in the Jordan River. So it was quite, um, it was quite a moment, I guess, for my whole family. At the age of... 19, I knew God has called me, and so I moved down to South Africa. I worked there with the organization Operation Mobilization, and um, for those of you who know a tiny bit about South Africa, I was based pretty much in Pretoria, and I worked for quite a while in the township Mamelodi, which is the slum area of Pretoria, and uh, for six months I was caring for the HIV AIDS patients uh, until they passed away and played with their kids, as well as working in a little primary school there. And the second half of the year was more a discipleship course, similar to what YWAM is running here, where we did different outreaches to different areas in South Africa, let it be um, the homeless in Joburg or with the Muslims or um, in rural areas and so on. So my year in South Africa was just simply amazing. I... Um, I've seen God moving. I have seen, 
yeah, the Holy Spirit moved. I have seen people being healed. I've seen demons cast out. It felt amazing. God was alive. And I, I was just absolutely pumped. Um, such a good time in life. I moved back to Germany knowing that he wasn't done yet. And sure enough, um, at the age of 20, only three months after I came back from Africa, I packed my bags again, my poor parents. And this time, I moved to New Zealand for the next two years of my life. And in New Zealand, I did a mission Bible college. So if you are interested in mission or whatever, please come and talk to me after. It has been an absolutely amazing time. Um, yeah, New Zealand was a very special time in my life. It was, um, I was quite blessed to go through all of this, but New Zealand was at the same time a very challenging time as well. I started dating the first guy, and before I entered this relationship, I prayed very specifically whether I should be starting this relationship, and it all got confirmed into every single little detail. And so I entered this relationship, and it sadly went very quickly very wrong. Um, but how could I leave it if I knew that God has called me into this? So I didn't. And I, I stayed in it, and um, I can almost say, yeah, it broke me. And when it, the day came and it was finally all over, I, um, I was quite broken. I wasn't broken that much because the relationship was over. I was more relieved that I was finally out of it, to be honest. But I was very broken because I thought I was faithful. And I thought God had talked to me, and I prayed so much into details, and it didn't work out. So this sent me into the first massive crisis in my faith. I really struggled. I, um, I questioned God and everything. I was really questioning who God is. Do you even exist? Why, why did you do this? Why, why should I have ended this relationship? Why were you telling me all these little details? I even prayed about hippos, and, and this guy came in and told me to talk about three hippos. Like, why did all of this happen? It was really weird, you know, like, but maybe immature, so I may say whatever, I was young, but, but I prayed, and God answered these prayers, and it all fell into pieces, so I was really battling with my faith. A season started where, in my faith, I had no emotions attached to it at all. I didn't feel a thing. So Africa was very feeling-based, and New Zealand, God just removed all the emotions out of my faith. I didn't hear God anymore. Not at all. I didn't sense him. I had to study the Bible, and the Bible felt like a comic book to me. His word didn't come alive anymore. Worship time did nothing. I, I just didn't, didn't feel anything. Um, and it was quite a tough situation to be in a Bible college, living with all these people, having all these experiences. And for me, this God was just removed himself completely out of my life, it seemed like. Um, yeah, a teacher then came to me after a little while, and this teacher said, Leona, it's your decision if you want to believe or not. God doesn't have to talk to you anymore. You could live your whole life in this world without him ever talking to you again. Yet, would it change who he is? I remember how I after he said this, how I just walked away crying. I was crying so much. I was age 22 and I was walking away in the beautiful Waikato in New Zealand and just bawling my eyes out and just crying, oh God, where are you? Like, how do you even exist? Like, was it all fake in Africa? It surely wasn't. I've seen you doing this. Where are you now? Questioning everything. 
And as I was standing in, on these beautiful hills there, I looked out and there was a cow standing underneath this tree. And I must have stared forever at this cow. <laughs> beautiful cow. I'm stared at it forever. And I said, surely there must be a creator. How would, how would this cow come into existence? Like, surely there must be a God behind everything that's happening here in this world. So this was the moment in my life when I made my second decision to follow Jesus. I was standing there crying my heart out and I said, yes, Lord, I believe in you. I choose right now to believe in you even if you decide to never talk to me again in my whole life. And having gone through this season already, I know how tough it was, especially if you've heard his voice before. After I shouted out to God this and I, and I made my decision again, he literally put my life back together. Seriously, like emotionally and physically, I gained weight again. Um, my hair was growing. I, I, was, I could start to forgive. God has really put my life back together. I moved back to Germany. And um, two and a half years, I uh, met Josh just shortly after. And two and a half years after I met Josh, we got married. And God has blessed me so much with my husband. Um, we got three beautiful children, and it's been yeah, absolutely amazing journey. God ha um, yeah, had put on Josh's heart in the beginning that we would do a trip around Asia. And so in our first year of marriage, we then decided to travel through Asia and to, with photos and videos to document different organizations, NGOs, mission organizations, and their life and what they're doing there. So we met over 30 different mission teams and documented their life and their stories so they could mobilize their home churches in what they were doing on the fields. So that year has really shaped our marriage, I can say. Um, yeah, just... It was just amazing to spend the first year of your marriage just focusing on God and nothing else. And God has richly blessed us through it. We moved back to Germany and after having Elliot six years ago, we came down here to beautiful Australia. I was really looking forward to moving here. I was excited about moving to Australia. Um, and at the same time, I also had many, many fears about it. I was afraid of not being part of my family's life anymore in Germany. I was afraid whether for the good or for the bads that I couldn't be there for them anymore. Emotionally, it was a very different game to play whether you move overseas as a single where you can just come home whenever you want to come home or whether you actually pack your bags up and you move to your husband's home country. So once we got here, I felt actually quite um, lonely and lost as a mum for quite a while. Oh dear, yeah, our cultures are actually quite different and I felt in the beginning it's like, almost like a chameleon. I felt like I was white and I could speak English. I sound funny, but I, you know, I could still communicate <laughs> from the get-go. Um, yeah, but this didn't mean that I understood everything that was happening. I really struggled to, to read Aussie body language. And I also really struggled to, um, to even get to know Aussie friendliness, right? And so in the beginning, 50 people would happily, always in the small talk conversation, invite me over for coffee, but maybe only one would maybe pick up on me. And so it was a really difficult journey for me to find out so who is actually willing to make room in their life for a friend. And um, yeah, then three years ago, I had someone praying over me, and this person said to me, Leona, you need to stop living your life to please man. And you need to start living your life again to please God. And this may sound very obvious to all of you. Um, to me, it was a massive 
bam. Because um, when you move to a country, all you want is to make friends and to be a family and to be accepted again. And um, so for me, this shift in my mind was massive. And I started pouring my life again into the Lord. Praise him for that. <laughs> 2019 has been a big year. Um, I think it has been a big year for many of us as it finished pretty big with the fires. And overall, I can say that I am just so extremely blessed. I am so blessed with this church that I call my family here in Australia. I am so blessed with my beautiful husband and children. God bless me so much with all of them. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just blessed with the best job in the world. I just love doing pastoral care. Like, God has really put my life together here, and I'm just really thankful. But 2019 has also been a year of grief for me. It started with my grandma's passing, where I couldn't go to the funeral. It continued with my dad's health rapidly declining, and me not being part of his day-to-day -day life anymore. And while we were in Germany over the winter break here, um, a little two-year-old girl, a friend's daughter, got hit by a, wooden, uh, by a metal gate and died. Cassie's age, and I think that hit us all quite a lot. We came back here to Australia, and a week after we got back here, my cousin's husband and a very good friend of mine had an aneurysm, and he is still after six months in coma. He just turned 40, and we still believe in a miracle for Philip. So many questions came up again, many. Like, many, God, why? Like, surely you can heal. I've seen you doing this in Africa. I have. So why not now? And as I reflected on, I started to reflect on the word faithfulness in my whole journey through it. And this is what I would like to talk about now, God's faithfulness. So is God faithful? My answer to us would probably be yes, God is. God is faithful because he's unchanging and this is part of his internal character and love. When God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he said to Moses, I am who I am in Exodus 3.14. And in Hebrew, this means eyeh asha eyeh. And eyeh is the first common person singular of the word to be. So it would always be useful, like I'm going to the sheep, I'm walking on the road, I am his father. But when this eyeh was standing alone, it was, uh, it was a, um, just a, a statement, a description, that, that the ultimate statement that the I am is self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. So when God stated that he is the I am who I am, what he meant is that he's always there for us. He will never leave us. He is the I am who I am. He can't change. He is all loving. He is holy and he is everywhere. God identified himself as the self-existent one, the internal, unique, uncreated God. He just is. God is the ultimate truth, the only necessary being, the beginning and the end and the first cause. This is who God is. It says in Malachi 3, verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Psalm 33, 11, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. In Hebrew 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
And I could go on and on and on about God's faithfulness in his word. He can't change who he is. God is who he is, and he will be faithful to his promises, and he will be with us in life's journey is what he called us to do. So often life circumstances don't make a lot of sense, or these apparently unheard prayers we struggle with. Um, we struggle to see how we would do things, and then we reflect this back on God, and we start struggling with it. But God's timing is different. He's having the, the internal perspective on. He's not in a rush. And maybe or surely we will only find out some answers when we are in heaven. Yet not understanding him does not mean that God is not faithful. And I guess this has been a big, big learning curve for me. So I don't trust his faithfulness because of his work and wonders, even though sometimes out of grace he decides to do this. But I, I choose to believe in his faithfulness because he says that his ways are bigger than my ways and his thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. It says in um, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is also why the Jewish people of Prophet Habakkuk could say in Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19, For the fig tree does not bud, and there is no grapes on the vines. For the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. For there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord." I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. We can't base God's faithfulness on life circumstances and on the emotions that go with it. If we do this, then what would we be saying to the person who just lost everything through the fires? It's hard, it's hard to see God's faithfulness in moments like this. It's hard to see God's faithfulness when your friend has lost their two-year-old daughter. It's hard to see God's faithfulness when you stand in front of your cousin and you wouldn't wake up. Yet this doesn't mean that God can't be faithful through works because he cares. He really cares. Before we moved to Australia, I prayed and I said, God, can you please make me a part of whatever big is happening in my family in Germany. Can you please just, you know, build bridges and help? And he surely did. You know, when my beautiful Oma Elfriede passed away, um, God woke me up in the middle of the night here in the bed, and I knew I should send my cousin a text message asking him to go to my grandma's bed, give her a kiss and a hug, and tell her I love her and I prayed for her. Two hours later, she passed away. When my other grandma passed away, um, I was actually FaceTiming my mom when she received the news that her mom just passed. I was with my mom on the phone when she passed away. God can build bridges across all the oceans in this world. He's big enough. A good friend of mine, Robin Carter, says, <laughs> oh, my eyes are all blurry now. We trust God's faithfulness because of who he is and we are reminded of it when we see the things he has done, even if he hasn't done all the things we had hoped. So this is my first point. We may not hear the same way as other people say they hear. We may not even feel the same way during worship as other people say they feel. We may not have a whole lot of emotions attached to our faith at all. Again, this may depend on life circumstances and the moments we find ourselves in. 
And it can be painful, especially if the Lord has spoken to us before. But this does not mean that this does not change who God is and that he deserves our all. Like he, he just deserves, he deserves everything. Even if God would decide to never do anything for humanity again, he's already done everything through Jesus. So if I let go of all the expectations of my life, of all the expectations I have to God, and only believe in that he promised me to never leave and love me, that's probably a good start. God hasn't promised us to have a certain house, a certain partner, a certain car, a certain job, a certain anything. He promised us to love us and to never leave us. So let's build the foundation of our faith on the promise that God said, I am who I am. Because this foundation can't change, no matter what we feel. And the second point I would like to talk about is that God's faithfulness challenges my faithfulness to him. So if God is faithful, I need to ask myself the question, am I faithful to him? It says, seek him with all your heart and everything else will be given to you. Do I seek him with all my heart? Do I seek him once he wants me to do in my life? Do I seek him what I should do with my money? Do I seek him in my prayer life? Whom should I pray for? Do I seek him in my daily activities? Do I only include God in moments when it suits me, like when I need something? Hi, where are you right now? Can you just help me out? Do I always pray and say, what can you do for me today, God? Or do I actually get up in the morning and say, God, what can I do for you? I do believe that God is concerned about what we are going through, but I believe that God is much, much more concerned about um, how we respond to what we are going through. So from the very beginning, he has given us our free will. Our response is a matter to our wills. He may allow trials, temptations, and pressures of life to come so that we have an opportunity to respond either by trusting our feelings in our life circumstances or by taking him at his word. I have learned to get into the habit of taking God at his word. I am not saying I've got it all together, and I'm also not saying it's always easy, not at all. But you and I, we can either choose to base our growth in faith onto listening to our feelings, thoughts, and circumstances and letting them control us, or we can be in the habit of taking God at his word despite our feelings. We need to choose with our wills that, our, that his word is truer than our feelings. That's what he wants. So only talking last year, I had many moments where if I trusted my feelings, I could have just walked away from the Lord. Not only did I sometimes feel nothing, I actually had moments of anger, disappointment, moments where I just shouted out, oh, how could you? All of this was taking place. But over and over again, I found God to be faithful in his word. So let's actually read and study his word, shall we? Psalm 27 is a psalm where we can see that the psalmist trusts God despite of everything else that's happening in his life. And I just thought I would read a couple of verses from it. So David says in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. 
You have been my help. Do not abandon me or leave me, O God of my salvation. Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yet wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Again, we may not always understand what's going on. Why things happen the way they do. Why we find ourselves in certain circumstances we are currently in. But we can always choose to respond to take God by his word and trust in his faithfulness. The positive outcome to my faithfulness to him is joy and peace. By praising him, he will fill our hearts with joy, even in the midst of sorrow and pain. And the joy and the peace he fills our hearts with on a human level often don't make even any sense. It's a God-given joy, and it's just amazing to just feel this. And this joy, again, brings hope. So as the band can come up now, um, one big thing I noticed in the last year was that my faith had changed. I um, never doubted again the existence of God like I did in New Zealand and seriously praise him for that. Um, faith is more than a feeling. God is faithful because he is and he will always love us. He will never change and his word is truth. So the big question in life is, am I faithful to him? It's fine to have doubts and questions in life, absolutely. Like as long as we are here on earth, I think most of us will go through phases in life where we find it tough to have faith. And being part of a church actually means that we can talk about it and encourage each other and help each other through these seasons again to come out on the other side. But I also want to say that um, when we are unfaithful, that God is still faithful. And when we feel doubt, that he will still hold us. When we base our Christian journey and our feelings again, we can be sure that he can bring us back again to him. The psalmists were asking lots of questions in the times of trouble. God is big enough. He can handle it. I throw a whole lot of stuff to him in prayer. But he is, he's God. He can, handle, he can handle my feelings. But at the end of the psalm, he, the psalmist always comes to the point of saying, yet I will praise the God of my salvation. So will we remain faithful in a faithful God, even if life circumstances don't make a lot of sense? And what will I do this week to show that I'm remaining faithful to the God whose faithfulness and love will never leave me? If you would like to receive some prayer, I just ask that the elders can come or whoever feels open to pray for someone comes up the front and we are more than happy to pray for you during the next song. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app. 